Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Len, aka the Bat Triple. And as always, I am joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, no, do not adjust your podcast. Vincent and I are sitting down to review for the first time on YouTube. That's right. 1984's Purple Rain, starring Prince and other people. Other people. Because <laughs> it's all about Prince. I would say Prince and Billy Sparks. <laughs> Billy Sparks? Billy Sparks. Okay, Prince, and Billy Sparks. And the motorcycle. The motorcycle and the rest. And the rest. In 1984's Purple Rain, for the first time, we are doing this on YouTube. We'll explain to you why, ladies and gentlemen, because there is a show reason why, but a bigger reason why is because of our guest, who is a longtime noted journalist, reporter, big hip hop head, and even more so a huge prince lover. This woman believes purple rain. Dare we say scholar? A, a prince dare scholar? We? I think we dare. We dare. Prince scholar. We dare. And I wouldn't be surprised if this, um, our guest is not tattooed somewhere on Vincent's body because he is geeking out so much for our guest, Tanya Pendleton here Ooh. on the Mission Mission. Hey, Tanya. Hey, Tanya. Hey, gentlemen. I am so happy and excited to be here to talk about one of my favorite films of all time. Okay. <laughs> well, we get right to the end about you. what you're going to recommend. Recommend in terms of watching it? Yeah, absolutely. Or, yeah, oh, of course I'm going to recommend watching it if you haven't already seen it because it's such an integral, intr integral, <laughs> integral, there we go, <laughs> part of pop culture that you've probably already seen it. Mm. How many times have you seen Purple Rain? <laughs> At least 35. Okay. 35 times. At least. Wow. Did you watch it earlier for this episode? Uh, I've watched it so much that I probably have memorized it. I okay. also was I also participated in an audio version of Purple Rain that was done on Clubhouse, where two friends of mine, a gentleman named David Belgrave and a woman named Addie, whose mm -hmm. last name I don't know, but sorry, Addie. Mm -hmm. She was the narrator and they got together and did a script that put the narration parts in where so that you could hear it as a vocal production. Okay. So they added the narration to the film and they wrote a script around it and it was fantastic. We did it on Clubhouse a year ago, January 2nd, I think. Nice. Wow. Yeah. What nice. roles did you play? I did not play a role. I auditioned for jo Jones's role and did not get the part. So mm. unfortunately, but mm. the woman who got it was great. All the actors were wonderful in it. But, um, you know, Purple Rain is an amazing piece of pop culture. And it's a historic film in the sense because it is probably one of the biggest films ever done by a black musician. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know what? I hadn't thought about it from that context. You, you, I, I mean, right. I mean, you use a qualifier one of what what would be a contender? You got, I mean, if you think about it, not it's not a biopic. Right. It's no. not a documentary. Right. No. It's a full fledged rock and roll 
movie. Yeah, it's kind absolutely. of a Prince Vanity project. It's there, you guys. Is. Right. Well, you know, I think you got to give Clarence Williams the third his props. He was in there. Yes, Can't forget was. him. Yeah, Apollonia was in there. Yeah, yes, she was. Bands, all those things. Right, but right, right. yes, I think definitely a, a piece of pop culture that is just you know every time I wear a purple t- a purple rain t shirt and I have my Prince sweatshirt on, mm-hmm. but I have a purple rain t shirt on underneath because mm-hmm. I had to be close to the skin. <laughs> exactly. So. Purple Rain, every time, if I go out in the Prince sweatshirt, I might, you know, a few people, oh, Prince, yeah, I like that guy. But if I wear a Purple Rain t-shirt, right, across true. the spectrum of ages, it's right. really fascinating that people are still, it, it's such a, still such a cultural touchstone. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And I was actually struck watching it again by the music, how it's still, it's very 84, mm-hmm. but it still is not really dated at all. Right. Right. We, 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 we're, we're going. We're, we're going. So we got to do the stuff. We're, we got. We got stuff. We got to do. We got to go in order. As, as you can tell, we are really, really ready to talk about. <laughs> yes, we are. So we are. But first, uh, we are reviewing Purple Rain because Vincent and I realize, and looking back over our history, we're now. This is episode three hundred and forty. Three hundred and forty of the Michelle Mission, but the actual first hundred and so were done pre YouTube. Yes. Pre-video. The, the you know, honest, we only went to video because of the pandemic. Sure. The troubles. Yeah, the troubles. And then we just never came out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, we just, we liked ourselves on camera. So now we are taking the opportunity um, to review some of the select films that we have already reviewed. But now we're going to do them for the first time here on YouTube. And Purple Rain is a perfect um, sure. one to bring out from the from the uh archives i think we reviewed that it was episode like 81 so that it was, was fairly early yeah it was like fairly early. our first two years right so it was really cool to bring that on and have tanya sit in with us so absolutely this promises to be a fun show ladies and gentlemen yeah but we haven't forgotten about you which means that we have to start vincent yes sir with letters ah uh, misses from the missionaries yes exactly <laughs> Exactly. And we got a letter from Mars Deli. It was something Mars Deli. It says, man, you guys are the truth. Thank you, sir. I'm a third. Or, or man. Well, he says man. Or non-binary. Well, he's about to say. Okay, I'm sorry. All right. See, see. you are really, you are so, look, Tanya's here. Now we're talking about like Brent's. It's a very, Jesus. anyway. Oh, very exciting. <laughs> I can see. Yeah. Uh, he continues. Mars continues. Okay. I'm a 30-year-old man from Oklahoma City. Okay. I've been listening to your pod for about three years now. Okay. I found your podcast while looking for someone who was talking about Pluto Nash. <laughs> I told you Pluto Nash was a missed opportunity. He continues. I'm not sure why, but I think I just needed to laugh and found your review of it. Okay. Since then, I've been listening to at least one episode a day oh, at work. Okay. You guys input your guys' input inspires me to seek out movies I knew about but never seen or even rewatch movies with a more critical eye, like Dolomite, in which I've posted my thoughts on your <laughs> F, your Facebook group. I just wanted to ask if the harder they fall, the Netflix original Western, yes. has run across your desk yet. It's just about my favorite Western made in the past decade and an amazing black story. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm a big fan of anything with Jonathan Majors in it because he's pretty great. I'm going to leave you now 
great gentleman. Hope this finds you all well. A fan, Mars Deli. Thank you, Mars. Thank you, Mars. Appreciate it. Yeah, well, the heart of they fall is definitely on the docket. Yes. Definitely on the docket. Yes. My brother actually says that. Like, he says heart of they fall is his favorite black western. Favorite black western? He, he does. He wow. does. Wow. It, it's, it's a very good movie. Are, it's, you, it's, are you familiar with the heart of they fall? I absolutely am. I saw it in the movie theater for the first time, actually, when it first came out, because I wanted to see it in the movie theater. That okay. Is, that is the way to see it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I thought it was great. I yeah. really did. Yeah. I did, too. Are you a, are you a fan of Westerns? I'd say, yeah. Okay. I like a Western, a good Western. I like the whole Western vibe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like, you know, just the yeah. vibe. You know I don't know if I thought about it long enough to say whether or not this is my favorite black western because mm-hmm. I got a lot of time for a buck and the preacher. Uh, I was about to say, you know, I always go buck and the preacher. Right. Yeah. Um, but the more I think about it, it does kind of capture that vibe that I like about a western. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fantastic. You know? It's fantastic. Now, if you argue that Blazing Saddles is a western. Right. That, that might. You like Blazing Saddles better? <laughs> Then the harder they fall. Maybe it's because I just la- I laugh like ridiculously on it. it, even though it doesn't wear well. It is so it's so weird. We're talking about this. We were talking about um, I'm gonna take the road to it. So so my son is reading the Captain Underpants books. I don't know if you two Aww, are aware. Of that's Captain cute. Underpants. I'm aware, but <laughs> it's a it's a lot of potty mm-hmm. kind of liquids fart jokes. In <laughs> oh wow, okay, and. And and we were talking about I was talking about with with my wife and my daughter just sort of the stereotypical right. boys liking fart jokes type <laughs> things, and I told them I don't think in my my entire life I ever heard my father laugh harder than at the bean scene oh, on, in uh, Blazing Saddles, and I showed them the the scene because they had never seen no, it, yeah. and both of them were like. Huh. Medora's like, that's that's Grady's thing, huh? My father would howl at the bean scene. It was a different time. It was though. a different time, and fart jokes are timeless, apparently. True, but they really started then, I think. They, they started then? I think so. You think that they're, you I think that was the nadir of... You, you think it was, it was like the Jackie Robinson fart joke? There you go. It's Jackie Robinson fart joke. This is number 42. Blazing Saddles, when you do the, the new DVD treatment, you can quote us. Can I move on? Please do. All right. We got one more email. This All is right. from Terry Plain. Hey, what's up, Terry? Hi, Len and Vince. Hope you are well. I was intrigued by your discussion during the Harriet movie review. Okay. About wishing Harriet Tubman would be played like a superhero demon slayer, like Abe Lincoln, <laughs> which is a favorite flick of, flick of mine. And you can check out Harriet Tubman. Demon Slayer, it is a comic book. Mm-hmm. Check it out. It's mm-hmm. really dope. Anyway, yes. recently there have been a wave of similar black writers who have taken on the alternative historical fiction genre. I'd like mm-hmm. to recommend Dread Nation by Justina Ireland. That is actually good. Have you read oh, that? Oh, I haven't heard of that. Oh, you haven't heard of that? I have not. Yeah, that was I bought that on um from Amalgam at Amalgam okay. Comics. Right. Uh Ariel had that on there and I bought it to Sublime Buy. Took it home, fell in love with it. Okay. Came back in to tell her about it. Found out she had already told the entire staff about it. Like she had already like interesting. I'm enough in there. I have to get the. In the midst of the U.S. Civil War, a plague breaks out and zombies are now the major threat. Slavery is abolished only because the common enemy doesn't care if you're white or black. 
that that's basically the mm-hmm. the idea behind Red Nation. Another series by Nicole Glover is called The Conductors, where mm-hmm. in pre-Civil War, enslaved people and their captors carry magical powers. The main characters escaped slavery, settled in Philadelphia, and now use their magical powers to free others in the Underground Railroad and solve murder mysteries. Now, I am familiar with that. I mean, like, the help of people escape slavery and they still got time to solve murder? You know, you're, you're only re- you only really need like four hours to sleep. All right, maybe you got to make some money. Yeah. Um, you know, the the murder mysteries, you know, fund these the mm-hmm. uh, roads to freedom. Another novel that hits real close to home is Underground Airlines. Yeah, yeah. That explores the question: What would present day America look like if the Civil War never happened? Where four states in the South still practice the involuntary slave enslavement of people of color and bounty hunters work like the FBI. Hmm. It is the caliber of Lovecraft country horror. Yeah, that's uh, sitting on my pile of books. I'm uh, trying to get to. He closes out with Len. I admire your enthusiasm for promoting the voicemail call number. <laughs> but I got to say, the only folks trying to dial 666 on purpose are agnostics and warlocks. Good luck. <laughs> God bless Terry Plain. <laughs> it, I couldn't choose the number. So the 666 is in there. So I, it's, I I had no choice. I'm sorry. I love your commitment to it. I really do. Like, I tease you, but I love your commitment get, to it. We do get I know. I know. It's, just, it's, just, you know, it's nice. I guess they're all like nice. It's like a handwritten thank you letters. Like, like I like, you know, sort of old fashioned. I like it. You're so cute. Uh-huh. Anyway, well, that's a, that was our emails. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And if you want to send us an email, feel free to send us your email to michellemission at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail.com. Top five. Who's your top five? Top five, ladies and gentlemen, where I come up with a list, and I usually give it to Vincent to have commentary on, but now we have noted Prince fan, Tanya Pendleton. Uh-oh. So, tonight's top five, mm-hmm. Purple Rain is the movie that we are reviewing tonight, right? Now, Purple Rain is famously the name of the movie, the name of the soundtrack, mm-hmm. and the name of the title track. And then it probably the most famous track from the movie right because mm-hmm. it was featured in all of the trailers mm. right but i wondered knowing you know how insane prince is what if you took another prince song mm-hmm. that has not been made into a movie and used it as the inspiration for a film Oh, this, wow. this is good. Okay. okay. Yeah, this is good. All right. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of Prince songs. A lot of Prince songs. A lot of Prince songs. But I came a up lot with of cinematic five. Prince songs. I came up with five. Okay. Prince titles that I'm going to present to you and Tanya. And let's see if we can't brainstorm <laughs> a movie okay. from these titles. All right. All right. All right. Okay. We're going to start with number five. Number five. From the 2014 album Art Official Age. Yeah, oh boy. Okay. Mm. The title of the track is 
Breakfast can wait. Ah, that's a good one. Mm, what breakfast a... can wait. All right. Guess first. You can take a stab. Hmm. Breakfast can wait. It's got to be a rom-com. See that? See? Mm-hmm. Right there. It's got to be a rom-com about two people who meet in a brunch spot. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then somehow are separated by time or circumstances or something that keeps them apart. But the brunch spot somehow keeps them going back again and again. I don't know. Maybe one's a waitress and there's a okay uh, guy that comes through. I'm, I, I think I'm getting... <laughs> I think I'm getting my inspiration now from Alicia Keys's You <laughs> Where most stuff like... catfish and collard greens and sweet potatoes and washes it down with hot chocolate. But let's take that further. Let's make that into the movie Breakfast Kim okay. Breakfast Kim right. And so somehow the brunch spot and, and the, a female star like uh, uh, Tessa Thompson or something. Mm, okay. Is the hardworking, uh, if you're a waitress, you don't have a blue collar, so maybe it's a white collar, because as, mm-hmm. as I remember that video, Alicia has on a uniform. Yes, which yes. I can't remember the last time I saw a waitress in uniform, but hey, for the purposes of this film, mm-hmm. we'll go with that. We'll, we'll expand upon in the Alicia Keys Prince universe, because you know they were friends. Mm-hmm. We'll expand upon that video and somehow turn it into a rom-com with a... Harlem waitress because it was the video was set in Harlem. Okay. And we'll make Breakfast Can Wait the theme song of the movie and we'll somehow work it together with the brunch and Alicia and maybe some most deaf like actor. I don't know. Yaya Abdul Mateen. How about mm-hmm. that? All right. What do you think? I, I, I like it. I don't have nothing to add to that. <laughs> I, I didn't come up with much of a narrative. Yeah. I just got a love scenario. Right. Just taking in 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 mashup Alicia Keys and right, Prince's right. Breakfast. Right. Throw a couple of complications in there. She's exactly. Gonna, you know, she's going to get in trouble for making his hot chocolate with milk instead of water. <laughs> right, the real milk. Right, right exactly. Right. Now, my, my only question is, and maybe I'm thinking too much about this, but suppose the roles were reversed and Yaya was a waiter, and it was Alicia Keys there eating. Would it come off as romantic? See, now it gets a little hmm. creepy. See, that's because because Alicia Keys, remember, she pulls and gets his card and tracks yeah, his down. And, a little bit. And you know, no, I, I found your number. And I, <laughs> and I look a lot different when I don't have my uniform on. See, it reads differently. Yeah, see, I just, yeah. that's why I'm right. saying. That's I think I'm you've saying. turned it now into a stalker. Right now. <laughs> We've now, changed now, now it's, We've gone from a rom-com right, to a, right. a, a, a version of you. Right, on, right. Uh, Breakfast. <laughs> can wait. Wait. <laughs> yeah, I think we've we've come up with a, a variety of, right, of, of options for this yeah. based on the breakfast. Right. Alicia Keys and y- right. we threw Yaya yeah. in there somewhere. Yeah, so yeah. Yaya made it a little bit more sinister when you flipped it somehow because right. you know it's him from. Man. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. All right. Well, all right. I didn't mean to take it there. But I was like, I mean, <laughs> it's a question. Both are cool. sound interesting. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Number four. Number four. Vince, you I start like this. this off. This All right. Cool. This is from um from 2004's Musicology. Okay. Cinnamon Girl. Oh. Cinnamon Girl. Mm-hmm. So Cinnamon Girl 
is a socio-political thriller. Mm. Okay. About an activist Mm. who is going up against the various and sundry conglomerates Mm. that control the spices, that control, like, it's not Hershey. Is it a period film? But it's, no, it's current. It's not Hershey, but it's 100% Hershey. Okay. And and sort of their practices with indigenous peoples mm. and and around the world and and you you know and what does fair trade really mean? Oh wow. Yeah, you took a deep Lupita Nyong'o <laughs> plays the title character. Jesus. And it is about what happens when one woman goes up against big candy. And it's a thriller. And it's a thriller. Shit, cinnamon girl. (laughs) (laughs) That's mine. Jesus. Um, (laughs) Yeah, top that. Um, I would say cinnamon girl is a. She's being. She's a a young lady from an African country who's Mm -hmm. being sex trafficked in the United States. And there is a private detective who is charged with going to find her where she's been sex trafficked to. Mm-hmm. So it's a thriller with a, not an activist twist, but a thriller with a, not adventure, because that's not right with sex trafficking. But you know those kinds of movies mm-hmm. where the guy has to go, the hard-boiled detective yeah. guy has to go and find the poor damsel in distress, which mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. really distressed because she has been trafficked. So we there's a time limit. There's she's going to be trafficked someplace that nobody can find her. So we've got to you know we've got to right ticking clock. 72 hours, we've got to find her or there she's going to be so far outside of commission that no one will be able to. So I see who's a movie starish, detective-y black actor. Oh, um, I do. Aldous Hodge. Oh, yes. Aldous Hodge. Perfect. There you go. Perfect. And then there's, okay, so there's, then there's got to be a mother who's, who's, uh, maybe it's Lupita Nuango again. <laughs> right. Who's it's looking for her child girl. who has right, been right. sex trafficked. 13 year old. There you go. There or you if go. not Lupita, who else could we have that would be someone who might have a tie to another country or another continent? Denegan Guerrero. Yes. I oh, like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And Sheila. Sheila is it Sheila Atem? Mm-hmm. She has to be in it involved. She's she's the detective, not the detective. She's the policeman in the other co- police in the, woman, in the, in the, in the other, in the other right. country. All teams. Yes. There you go. Yes. There you go. I like there it. You go. There you go. All right. Cinnamon girl. Cinnamon yeah. girl. Yes. All right. <laughs> Making movies over not here. The easy songs <laughs> here. Right. This this is the best top five ever. <laughs> anyway, number three. Number three. Number three, ladies and gentlemen. Um. From 1985. Okay. Oh, boy. This is actually the title track of the album, Around the World in a Day. Around the World in in a Day. Mm -hmm. Around the World in a Day is a madcap adventure. Okay. Through that, um, that walkway at Epcot Center. 
with all the villages oh, okay. from the okay. different countries. So, it's, wait a minute. You're actually going to film this at Disney? I mean, it's a Disney film. So, it's a Disney film. So, it's kind of like Haunted Mansion and how they turn the rides into a film. Mm. It's going to be in there. And I forget what that, that village is called. I, I just remember because you can, you can drink. There's yeah. one of the places you could drink yes. at, at Disney World. <laughs> like, they give you wine and things at each room. Wine of all nations. Right. Drink from every nation. And there's some type of MacGuffin. Somebody loses, you know, will steal from the greats. Somebody loses their purse. Somebody loses their wallet that has the winning lottery ticket from it. So now we've brought in the Uptown Saturday mm-hmm. Night MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. And they're going around the world in a day trying to get it back. All right. Who started? So is it a couple? It's a couple. And the couple is played by. Who do I want the couple to be played by? Quinta Burnson. I do like Quinta. She's a homegirl. And um, it would be a nice male foil for Quinta making comedy, making a comedy a mad guy. Lakeith Stanfield. Lakeith Stanfield. Because he's funny. And she has that manic energy and he has that kind of, you know, laid back. I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that. Around the world today. There you go. Mm -hmm. Okay. I was going to go Brian Tyree Henry. I was going to go the other one. Right. Because I see him and Quinta looking like a couple. Right. But, I mean, Lakeith works. Mm-hmm. Lakeith works. Yeah, I don't know. Quinta and Brian Tyree. I have to think about that one. I can see them running, like, like having, like, a kid. Yeah, maybe. Now that I think. I'm just trying to think of him. Like, is he, a, is he like, a minivan driver that takes the kids to school type of guy? Hey, man, he played a podcaster in Mad Godzilla Cap. versus King Kong. He can he do did. no wrong. You think he's madcap, though? Oh, he was insane in that movie. Okay. I missed that one. Brian Tyree, he he never ceases to amaze me in anything that he I does. did see Causeway. Did you see Causeway? I haven't what seen Causeway yet. No, I'm not one of those three. We're we're one of the three people who saw well now we introduced it to other people. Um The Outside Story. The Outside Story. Did you yeah. see that? I did not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's from last year with Brian Tyree Henry and This is the one where he gets locked out of the house yes. or something. I think I saw that on your site, matter of fact. Yes. I this mm-hmm. did, yeah, we had a yeah. screening. Yeah. 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 And he, he's hilarious. Yeah, and he has I some madcap moments. So okay. yeah. Yeah. All right, that's good. Do you have a do you have a pitch for Around the World in a Day? Around the World in a Day. I am gonna take this from real life headlines. Okay. okay. I like that. so Praz from the Fugees mm-hmm. is going to trial on March 27th because of a case that is so crazy. You will just have to go to Rolling Stone and read the story about why he's on trial. Okay. During this trial, during this uh, information about the trial that was released, basically, Praz got caught up with this very wealthy guy from Malaysia. But the reason why he was very wealthy is because he stole $4 million from the Malaysian, or I'm sorry, billion dollars. From the Malaysian government. As one oh. does. Kamora Lee Simmons' husband, Tim Leithner, I'm getting his name a little crossed up. He's involved in this case as well and is actually awaiting sentencing in this big theft of money from the Malaysian government. He was the Goldman Sachs banker 
who was involved in in kind of wink Funnily. winking yeah. these transactions where this guy whose name is Joko or something like that stole this four billion dollars. Oh, so where does around the world <laughs> the day come in? You ask. One of the things that the thief, the Malaysian thief that stole all the money, did was he sent a plane. He 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 was spending all this money and he was showing out and just doing everything and. Pros got caught up, but one of the things that he did because of he was rolling in money is he celebrated New Year's Eve. He he came up with this idea to retrofit a jet, and part of the jet was a nightclub. This is a true story. To send folks from the West Coast or wherever they all were, it was a right. bunch of celebrities, Jamie Foxx, I think Leonardo DiCaprio might have been on the plane. All these folks mm. jumped on this plane with the nightclub in it, Flew to Australia, celebrated New Year's Eve in Australia, and then hopped back on the plane and celebrated in whatever hemisphere it still was New Year's Eve. So that would be my idea for around the world in a day. It would be the same scenario, maybe not with the stolen money, but somebody who was wealthy enough to say, we're going to hop on a plane and we're going to celebrate this uh, New Year's Eve in Australia and then come back to whatever hemisphere and do it again and it would be a movie about the adventures and it would be a star-studded cast. Of course. of course. So we would have to have like Halle Berry and we would have to have Regina Hall because she's funny and we would have to have Tiffany Haddish because sometimes she's funny and we would have to have um, uh, Denzel who was undercover funny. Okay, yes. Because he's a big star. We right. want to have a black film with Around the World in a Day with all of the big black stars in the way that we had those movies back in like the 70s when mm-hmm. you take every mm-hmm. single right. celebrity who was anybody. I'm a big fan of disaster movies also. Sure, I've watched <laughs> them all at least once in two years. I love them. Towering Inferno and the airport mm-hmm. films are my Side absolute favorite yes. of that of that drama, of that uh, genre. So this is what we would do. We would turn it into one of those movies where there would you know, be some misadventures on the plane and some people who liked each other that didn't know each other and somebody playing some big celebrity because then it's the inside celebrity who's playing mm-hmm. a celebrity type mm-hmm. thing. And then we would have this awesome movie and it would be funny and it would be star-studded and they would go from Australia to back and then it would be around the world in a day. All right. That is perfect. <laughs> I love it. The only thing that makes that per- more perfect mm-hmm. is, is the cherry on top is renaming it Soul Plane 2 right colon around the world <laughs> I was thinking that sounds like a good Soul, soul Plane, plane right? right a good Soul Plane there we go and then I was thinking why couldn't Soul Plane be good there you go there you go oh my god that is crazy Kevin Hart would actually have to be involved and Aaron Fry in the chat just said don't turn it into soul plane. <laughs> well, Aaron, we, we want it to be a good soul. Plane. Good, it raise it. Good soul plane. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Right. Oh my god, that is epic. All right, that is epic. I like that. I like that. All right, we're only up to number two. All right, <laughs> wow. one more. We gotta get the purple rain. We we, we do. Uh, I'll start with you, Tanya. Okay. This is from 1996's Emancipation album. Oh boy, There's a lot of songs on that album. <laughs> there is, but I think I picked picked a doozy. White Mansion. Oh man, one of my favorites. Um, who White Mansion? That's got to be that's got to be a, a a scary movie. Mm-hmm. It's got to be somebody. Let's think of the couple. It's got to be. I don't know. I know Jordan Peele is doing it. Okay. Yes. 
And if Jordan Peele is doing it, he has to work again with Kiki Palmer. Mm-hmm. So it has to be something like Kiki Palmer. What you know? I mean, this has been done a hundred million times, but they're moving into their new house. They're a young couple. I like Lakeith for this one too. Mm. Am I having too much Lakeith? But I kind of like him for the couple. And they're moving into their mansion. They just—he's uh, a tech—he's a tech guy. Okay. He's right. a—he's a tech zillionaire who came up with something technical, and it made him a ton of money. Okay. And Kiki is his wife, and they—they're they're happy, and they're in love, and it's money, and it's—you know—you move into the the fabulous big house that has all the black frame windows. That's my thing. And views of the ocean. I don't know if you can have black frame windows and views, of, but don't don't worry about the home decor right now. We have a set design. <laughs> right, right, right. That, okay. Take care of all so that. it's Lakeith and it's Kiki, and they're moving into the big, beautiful house, and they probably have some really cute baby, and maybe she's pregnant with the baby on the way, and then it just turns into a complete disaster. The walls bleed. They have all those kinds of weird sightings, and you know things popping past the screen that don't quite look human and all that kind of good stuff. I like. Do we have little monsters popping out of paintings? Chasing after what was that movie? With the little guy. Good idea. Oh, you're thinking. Paintings coming alive. I like it. You're thinking about um what was that? Speaking of Clarence Williams the third. Who's it? Tales from the Tales from the How about Lakeith? Because he is a big tech billionaire guy. He starts collecting black art, and the black art comes alive and does weird things in the house. Yeah. So yeah. that could be interesting because you can both promote black artists, mm-hmm. and then you can also have the art just do, you know, some black artists have some things that are a little odd sometimes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't and know. so sometimes they can, you know, like you said, jump out of the paintings and create. I mean, we can get all that together. I think it, it, it'll work. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Robert Monroe Jr. actually um, posited a. A couple having a plantation wedding and the ghosts of enslaved Africans rise up. Ooh. It's interesting. You Creative. That. I like right, that. Where are you going? Because that's my idea. <laughs> Except it's, it's, it's a white mansion. It is a plantation house. Mm-hmm. It's a ghost story. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's inherited by, you know what? I think you'd have to sell it, but I want Whoopi Goldberg. Hmm. Okay. And the hook is... Wait, so it's inherited by Whoopi Goldberg. Goldberg. Mm. She inherits this plantation house. Mm. But the hook is the ghosts aren't aren't trying to get her. They're not Mm. trying to... Like, these are her ancestors. Mm. And and she has to come to that because she comes from the city and she has to get back in touch with her roots. And as the film goes on, she realizes... That is, it's almost like, do you ever see Baba Duke? Mm-hmm. You ever see Baba Duke? Mm-hmm. Where in the end they kind of make their piece. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's headed. Okay. All right. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a white mansion. White mansion. And it's quiet. Like I'm thinking Whoopi Goldberg, maybe three or four, you, you know, supporting characters for a mm-hmm. scene here or there. But the reason I chose Whoopi Goldberg, because this is, this is her showcase. Mm. It's just Whoopi. And especially for this time in her right after this yeah, last that. time we've seen her really, really right. showcase in a movie. Right. Right. And you know, one of our on one of our ongoing things that Whoopi Goldberg like never quite got the showcase that mm. her talent deserved in mm. movies. Yeah. So I I like that. Dramatic. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't have gone there. I like that, Vince. All right, we're at number one. Number one. 
<laughs> we we're, we're dipping deep into the archives of Prince song inspired movies. We're going all the way back to 1982. Okay. Oh, Which means that we must be going to 1999. And the movie, it, the song to inspire the movie is DMSR. Which stands for <laughs> dance, music, sex, romance. Cyberpunk science fiction set the day after tomorrow because of the advent of social media and the way we all interact with each other. Young people in this moment don't actually know how to interact. Mm. Very true. They don't know how to date. They don't know how to talk to each other. They don't know how to dance with each other. They don't know how to do any of this. And the powers that be like it that way. So, of course, you have some young people who begin to do this in a very underground sense. And they think that they are just, you know, kind of being hipsters and doing. But slowly realize that this becomes a form of resistance. Wow. Dance, music, sex and romance is about human connection which is resistance. Um, I can't top that. Oh, wait, who's mm, in it? Yeah, who's in it then? Who's in it? So this is set the day after tomorrow. So we've got Zendaya. Mm. We've like got... Um, Ooh. I, I just forgot everybody hates Chris's name. Oh, Tyler James Scott Williams. Tyler James Williams. Yeah. I want him in it. Okay. I'm gonna throw a curveball, but I think I, I think he's ready to redeem himself. I'm throwing Jaden Smith in there. Oh, I can see it. Jaden Smith. Jaden Smith. Okay. All right. I was gonna say maybe um um what's the young young lady from uh Blackish? The young one. Who played oh, her, oh, oh, Marcel Martin. Yeah. Yeah, because she's 18. You know, it's Marcy, funny. I never yeah. think about Marcy, Marcy, yeah. Marcy because in my mind, she's still seven. Right, right. But you're right. She's 18 now. Yeah. Wow. And by 18, I think she was 18 last year. Yeah. yeah. So, like, now she's probably 19. Because I think that's how it works. All right. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. I like I like that, Vince. My, I do. The only, the only difference I would make for your pitch is that just to throw a curveball, I would make it animated. I think that could work. Mm. I made it like a nice, tight, computer animated, maybe even a slightly animated. Depending on the budget. Yeah. I think it could work. Yeah. In a lot of different ways. Interesting. Tanya, what do you have for DMS? You know, I realized that I I must have no original ideas because (laughs) what I thought of, what if DMSR was a drug, but it made you the person that you really were. So not the person that the world thinks that you are, mm-hmm. but it turns you into the person that you really are inside. So that means whatever you're... Pro- so my theory about people is whatever people project outwardly, there's an opposite person that is within them. Mm-hmm. So if you project a lot of confidence, it's because you're insecure. If you project a lot of insecurity, it's because you're really arrogant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So what if you were able to take this pill and you became that person and how that would play out into all of your life where people have been thinking that you're this one person and now you take this drug because 
you want whatever it is that you think that you don't have. So the humble person wants that arrogance. The arrogant person wants that humility. And this plays itself out in all the relationships. Um, Who stars in this? Um, hmm, My act. For some reason, my my recall of black actors has completely failed me tonight. I'm like, who act? Okay, Dominique Fishback, because I just oh, saw yes. her in Swarm, mm-hmm. and she's so good in that. And mm-hmm. she's she's just so she's she's so able to be a chameleon so mm-hmm. far in the roles that she plays. Very much so. So she could play some young college student who maybe she's the arrogant one. She's like the popular super, you know, not cheerleader because she's in college, but super duper. Sorority. We we don't have too many movies where there's a black mean girl who isn't a mean girl black sorority. We right, have a lot right. of the white characters that do that. So we'll have her, and then somehow or another she's got to interact with a whole group of people that include um, give me some black actors that I am now forgetting every single one. That one of the Bailey sisters. <laughs> I just I want to say the right. Bailey sisters. No, you said swarm. swarm. Okay. Oh, say so they're so swarm already. So not one of the Bailey sisters. Sister. I want. No, can I steal Marseille Martin from you? Sure, absolutely. Okay, I'll take her. And then I want Queen Latifah in there somewhere. Okay. Maybe she plays Dominique's mom. Okay. okay. And now these roles are shifting because now her daughter's showing up as this humble person and nobody can understand what's going on. Now she's changing and nobody really believes in her because she set up this whole scenario. And then we need a guy character who, uh, who's young and up-and-coming actor that would be interesting? Um... Mm. Uh, the kid from How Do They Fall. We had a conversation about How Do They Fall. Well, who's the kid that played the gunslinger that ended up getting... Um, oh, oh, right, right, right. I forget <laughs> his maybe name. I haven't seen it. Because he was in that other movie. Did you guys see the other movie that um, the guys were... Uh, oh, what's the name of it? Somebody on chat help me. Um, the movie where the friends end up finding this uh, their college buddies. And they go through this whole scenario where they find this, they find a girl who's unresponsive and they have to figure out. Yes. And he stars in that. And I love him but as a R.J. Seiler. Yes, R.J. Seiler. They find love him. a white girl that's unresponsive. Exactly. Right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that is him. Yeah, I, I saw, love yeah. that movie. What's that? Yeah. Is that, is that um, it's not Ambulance. What's the name of that movie? What is the name of it? It's on Hulu. And it was so good. It actually, it was sneaky good. And he's yeah. good in it. Yeah. I, I felt like from like I'm good at picking actors that as they start expanding their careers, mm-hmm. I can always kind of spot that performance or that actor that's going to like move it forward. And yeah. I picked him out. I was like, I mean, he had a great role mm-hmm. in Harder They Fall, but he, he really did play Another kind of role, a little similar, but in that movie that none of us can think of. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, I didn't, I didn't right. see it, but emergency, emergency, emergency yes. is the name of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it, it was, it was sneaky good. I remember it really turning was. it on like on a holiday, just on a humbug, mm-hmm. and we're sitting there, and like everybody's like eating and talking, and it's it, it's on, and about ten minutes in, everybody's like, right, you realize you're what, yeah, yeah, into yeah. yeah, it, and it yeah. really, it's, it's funny, it's. Oh, it's oh. great when you don't have a lot of expectations of a movie, and then it just comes out good. Anyway. It really is. Yeah. yeah, true, very true. Oh, and you're right. He was he was good in that. All right, that's good. All one. right. Okay, <laughs> this was oh, tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was good. This was fun. This was fun. <laughs> I like this. I like this. All right. Well, that was the top five, ladies All and gentlemen. Right. Um, and now before we get into our review, we have one more game for you. All right, Tanya, prepare to be uh, impressed. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm already impressed, but I'll be impressed more. Because it's now time for the Game of Kings. The Game of Kings. Uh-oh. That's the key. Why you'd be surprised what a person can do with just a sense of touch and a sense of sound. Six Degrees of Durville Martin, ladies and gentlemen, where I will give Vincent an actor mm-hmm. who he has to connect in six movies or less to... That 70s bon vivant we all know as Derville Martin. Derville Martin. Derville Martin. All right. Yes. All right. Um, Vincent, in honor of Purple Rain, in honor starring of Rain. Prince, mm-hmm. these are act two actors mm-hmm. that are actually royalty. Okay. Actual royalty. All right. All right. What we got? First, we have mm-hmm. Grace Kelly. Grace Kelly. Yes, who was actually the Princess of Monaco. She is. Back in 1956 when she married Prince Rainier. So how would I get to Grace Kelly? Immediately, he has jumped out of my head who she's in the rear window with. You you. You and your white guy blind spots. It's um, I'm looking right at him. And yet you can't and yet, pull the man's name. It's not Fred McMurray. Would you like to phone a friend? No, it's... um. Would you like to phone a friend directly in front of you? <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. See, I, I believe the friend knows... Yes. James Stewart. Jimmy Stewart. Old Jimmy Stewart. Wait, is he in the Philadelphia story? Are you asking me? I am asking you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was using the Philadelphia story. Okay, well there you well, go. There you go. There you now go. you've got it. Because Derville Martin is, of course, in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner with Catherine Hepburn, mm-hmm. who's in the Philadelphia story with Jimmy Stewart, who's in Rear Window with Grace Kelly. Very good. Very good. All right. All right. I went old school. I went old school. Went old school. And yet you still impressed. <laughs> went old school. All right. Never fail. Fail to impress. Yeah. 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 And now next we have next we have who's who's next royalty <laughs> who is uh actually has a seat on the House of Lords a seat on the House of Lords and also an actor and also an actor and that would be Christopher Guest Christopher Guest Okay well Christopher Guest is of course in so Derville Martin is in I'm going to start easy and then go obscure Derville Martin is in um Five on the Black Hand Side with Dick Anthony Williams of course who is in Mo Better Blues with Wesley Snipes, who is in Blade Trinity mm-hmm. with um what's the, what's the white dude's name? The the comedian white dude who plays the psychiatrist oh. in, in Blade Trinity. Ooh. But he's also in Best of Show. He is in Best of Show. Um John John 
It is John something. Um, John Higgins. That sounds right. I think it's John Michael Higgins or something like that. Right, because it's a three-namer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hold on. Right, right. Can get it. Let's get the name right. Best in show. It might be easier to look him up in Blade Trinity. Well, best in show. I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Don't tell me where to go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John Michael Higgins. John Michael Higgins. John Michael Higgins is in Best in Show mm-hmm. with um Michael um Lenny. Michael Lenny played Lenny on um. Lenny Michael. Lenny on um, the Vernon Shirley. Michael McKean. Michael McKean, who is, of course, in This Is Spinal Tap. Who could forget? Why did you just stop with Best in Show? Because I forgot. I couldn't remember whether or not Christopher Guest was in Best of Show. Yes, he wins. Okay. His hound dog. Oh, that's wins. right. The hound. That's right. Right. Because he likes all the different kinds of nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Peanut. Hazel. Hazelnut. Walnut. Yes. Hazelnut. Yes. Right. So there you go. Christopher Guest. <laughs> there you go. Very good, man. Christopher Guest. Very, very Yeah, good. yeah. But we were talking about This Is Spinal Tap, which also comes out in 1984, apparently. That's right. Wow, so, was that yeah. so I wanted to go to This Is Spinal Tap as well. Okay. Yeah. All right. So there you go. Well, there you go. Well, yes. there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That was impressive. Just watching the wheels turn. Just watching the wheels turn. I'm and... sitting here like, I really need to watch. I thought I watched a lot of movies, but yeah. I need to watch a lot more to keep up with you. Right, right. Well, you got to You got to get to Durville Martin. You got to move. Right. Yeah, you see people and I'm always, how could I get him to Durville Martin? And in my mind, I was like, I'm now going to have to Google Durville Martin, though I believe I know who it is. I've just mm-hmm. got to remember the face. You saw. Yeah. Um, remember the mustache. Right. You saw Dolomite is my name. Yes. He's the guy that Wesley Snipes plays. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 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 I knew I, I knew I knew the name. Mm-hmm. I was like just a little shaky on the face. Yeah. So now I know. But he, but he has the most amazing career. Yeah. Like no, he ends I up in the it. weirdest places. So he is the black Kevin, uh, not Spacey, what's the uh, Kevin? Uh, Bacon. Kevin yes. Bacon. He's the black Kevin Bacon. Exactly. exactly. Okay. This is fascinating. I love it. (laughs) And for those who have been watching us play this game for the the last, like, almost a year now. Almost a year now. We've been playing this game and have enjoyed it and know know some of the keys that Vincent's going to go to. Like, Mm -hmm. almost, they'll start shouting in the chat. Right, right. He's going to go to five on the black hand side. (laughs) Dick Anthony Williams connects you immediately to Mo Better Blues. Okay. Which is so target rich because it's like, you know, it's Denzel, it's Wesley Snipes, Giancarlo Esposito. Right. It's, it's Samuel Jackson. It's like, Spike. It's well, Spike. At this point, you can connect Giancarlo Esposito to everything because he appears to be in everything right now. Exactly. So every time yes. I turn around, I feel like it's Giancarlo Esposito and something. Like, how does he keep all the characters straight right. and remember all the names and the scenarios? Like, that guy, he's like the Samuel L. Jackson I was about to say, he's in his Samuel Jackson <laughs> moment where I don't think he turns down a check. Uh-uh. And I don't blame uh-uh. him. And I ain't mad at him. But how do you keep all that together just mentally? How do you remember all those lines and those characters? Because actors are so fascinating when you see them in their regular life. Mm-hmm. Or not regular life. Like when you've seen a film yeah. and you've been really... Can I make a plug for a movie while I'm here? Sure. Sure. This okay. Is a great place to do. I did uh, the junk, well, the online junket for a movie called Riley. That is opens in the yes. UK in theaters and it comes to Hulu on March 31st. I urge everybody who is watching, who is chatting, who is, please see that film. It is the funniest. It is the, 
I was, I mean, again, I'm not even watching this in a theater. I'm watching this on a screener and I'm laughing to the point of almost crying. Mm -hmm. Really? It's just, it's fresh. It's a rom-com, but the actors are fantastic. If anyone watches the industry, mm -hmm. oh, I think it's, I think it's not the industry. It's, I think it's just industry. industry. Yeah. David uh, Johnson, who mm -hmm. is the guy in the industry, he's in it. There's a woman named uh, Viv Vivian Opara, who is the female lead. And, you know, first of all, I love my black Brits. If there are any yeah. black Brits on here watching right now, I love you guys. You are hilarious. And I found that out because at one point there was a clubhouse room that these black Brits were doing. It was like lunch from Britain or whatever. And they were the funniest <laughs> ever. And so it's also set in a part of London called Peckham that most people don't know. It's black London. It's mm -hmm. South London. And most of us think of London, what do we think of? The royal family, oh, right, Buckingham right. Palace, Notting mm -hmm. Hill. This is, it, it, the, 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 the neighborhood is a character in the film. And I just loved this movie so much. And I got a chance to briefly talk to the actors. You know how that is on a Zoom. And yeah. you're like, hi, you to answer the questions, bye. <laughs> but they were great. And it just is a phenomenal film. So everyone, check out Rye Lane when it comes to Hulu. If you're watching from the UK right now, then please go support it in theaters. It's a fantastic movie. And it just it just shows you another side of black folks. You know, we mm -hmm. don't see black Brits a lot. No. And it's something new and it's fresh and it's a fresh perspective. And so, yes, I, I want to promote that everywhere. <laughs> I literally have the trailer bookmarked on my yeah, phone. It's great. For it to come on Hulu. It's time, ladies and gentlemen, for us to get into our review of Purple Rain. We'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it. Was it PG-13 or was it R? Yeah, but, oh yeah, it was R. It was R. I mean, think about how R has changed, though. I know. Now, I mean, but is there even an R now? Right, right. But no, it's a, you know, I mean, obviously some F-bombs in there. But and I actually said, forgot how, um, like, he's going for it a little bit during their love scene. <laughs> okay, let's get into our review. I was like, oh, Princess, like, her panties <laughs> are really little. And his, and his hand. Right, I, right, yes. I said, I did right. notice that. I was I like, noticed Prince that. is going 
forward a little bit right now. I did notice that. I did notice that. Well, you know, it's funny you you you. I, we should probably do this through. Well, we're but but you know, it's funny you watch it so you watch it so much like on regular no 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 yeah on regular television right like you forget the unedited version right or 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 just the film version right right right. So it's like it really was like wow I forgot. That's right. Prince is going for it a little bit with Babylonia. But okay, go ahead. Prince is that guy. I mean, I <laughs> Prince is that guy. Purple Rain, ladies and gentlemen. A young musician tormented by an abusive situation at home must contend with a rival singer, a burgeoning romance, and his own dissatisfied band as his star begins to rise. Reading directly from IMDb. Um, this is the 1984 classic that stars Prince, Apollonia, Morris Day, Clarence Williams III, Jerome, of course, <laughs> um, Billy Sparks, Vincent's Billy favorite, Sparks. Jill Jones, and, and many others in this film, directed mm-hmm. and written by Albert uh, Magnoli, with uh, William Blinn also help, helping on the script, and mm-hmm. probably some doctoring by Prince. Um, and a soundtrack that is mm. up there of one of the top soundtracks of all time. Mm-hmm. Full stop. This is our review here tonight on the Michelle Mission with our very special guest, Tanya Pendleton. Tanya, you've been waiting. The yes. floor is yours. What you got to say about Purple Rain? Purple Rain is a pop culture classic, and that's undeniable. As I was saying, if I wear a Purple Rain t-shirt, I will get responses from all ages. People just see it as some kind of touchstone of mm-hmm. the era, of the time. They have nostalgic memories of it. It just hit the, the cultural landscape in a certain way that continues to this day. You know, every time you turn on the TV, if you have a TV that's not set up to streaming and you're still looking through <laughs> channels, mm-hmm. it's going to be on somewhere. I think it's always playing. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of one of those things that is just uh, uh, it's a lock in 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 pop culture. And I'm sure it's probably a, a Library of Congress film. If they haven't, uh, they have. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure it's there because it is. You know, obviously, maybe not if we're going to talk about story and narrative and cinematography and mm-hmm. all those kinds of things. It may not be that kind of. It's a movie, yeah, as opposed to a film. <laughs> but you know, I saw it seven years ago now um, is the last time that I saw it in a theater because when Prince transcended his earthly realm, Mm -hmm. they showed it again in theaters. Mm -hmm. And I saw it because it it actually came out in 1984, the day after my birthday. Mm -hmm. You could put a blank in it, what birthday it was, but I was grown, (laughs) close to grown. Um, And so I have... You know, a picture of myself standing at the Purple Rain premiere, the New York premiere, whatever it was. I don't know if it was the premiere because the premiere was in L.A. But right. Um, so seeing it again in the movie theater, it was it was still, you know, and, and this was with a bunch of grieving Prince fans and it was a full house. I think it was two or three days later that they showed the movie in theaters again. They brought it back after he transcended. Um, and uh, it's was still, you know, there are some things in there that by our standards now are a little cringy. Sure. But back then, nobody was thinking like that. No. Mm-hmm. So no. you were just enjoying the, you know, enjoy the ride. And um, I just think that in looking at the time, 
when I looked at, not the group, but <laughs> in looking at the times that Purple Rain was in, when you go back and you look at music from that year and you go back and you look for movies from that year, you're like, wow, it was real white. Yes. Real white, white. Mm-hmm. Now, Beverly Hills Cop did come out. Yes. Richard Pryor was still making movies in that era. But Prince, and then we talked about the fact that um, uh, uh, Breakin' Mm-hmm. And Beach Street both came out in 84, mm-hmm. as did This Is Spinal Tap. Mm-hmm. So here were some other music movies to compare it to. But when you think about Prince, the reason why he stands out in that era so strongly, here's this little black man from Minneapolis. First of all, where, what? Minneapolis? Who who comes out of Minneapolis? Like, we know about the stacks, and we know about Motown, and right. we know about Memphis. Mm-hmm. But Minneapolis? Yeah. Like, where is that? What is that? What do they do there? And no disrespect to my peoples in Minneapolis. I love Minneapolis. But um, at that time, it wasn't a music, a center of music. At all. Right. And so here comes this guy and he's light skinned and he's pretty and he's got this amazing, you know, at that point, Prince was on his sixth album and he's got this amazing musical talent that people are just discovering because the previous album was 1999. Right, right. And before that, you had Dirty Mind. And, you know, at one point when his career first started, we thought he was going to be in the Elder Barge mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, 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 switch with yeah. the other group, with the other DeBarge brothers in it. And uh, there were also the Silvers. Yes. So these were kind of, you know, those kind of light-skinned guys singing falsetto, (laughs) R&B, I love you, girl. And that's kind of how Prince came out. And then as he evolved through each album, he expanded his musical palette. And people were like, oh, whoa, wait, this guy is, he's doing R&B, but he's doing rock. But he's doing some other Mm -hmm. stuff that's just Prince. Mm Because now he's creating the Minneapolis sound. And so he puts it all together and puts this this guy, again, little black guy from Minneapolis, puts this all, all together in a movie and it just pop culture just goes crazy. And realizing that at that time, I think Purple Rain, in a sense, is kind of about black assimilation. Okay. Because in the 80s, that's what it was about. It was about how am I going to go get that corporate job and rise? How am I going to be a black person in the world and make money? You know, the 80s was like, you know, flamboyant capitalism. Mm-hmm. And that was in every aspect of life. And, you know, I remember because I was in <laughs> college um, <laughs> that, you know, you were going to get a job and you were going to work in corporate America. And that's what you were going to do. And you were going to make money. And, and it really was that time in life. Uh, or in that era, I should say. And so when you look at Purple Rain and you look at a guy who's kind of like, I'm a little black, but I'm a little white. Right. And I'm making R&B, but I'm making, I got a guitar and I can play the hell out mm-hmm, this thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving you some rock and roll. So I've got black fans because they started with me when I was more of a Foster Silvers and exactly. Debargian type mm-hmm. of dude. And then I threw him some dirty mind and everybody's mind was blown like what? Because now we got New Wave and we got Rick James and we got Funk and we got all these, you know, all these elements that he pulled together. And he just hit the hit the cultural zeitgeist at the exact perfect time. Yeah. And then Purple Rain is sent really at its center. It's a music film. Yes. We were saying oh, yeah. that it's not a documentary and it's not a biopic. So it's its own thing. It's Prince saying to the world. 
here I am, baby, look at me. Mm-hmm, and taking mm-hmm. this this cast of, of characters from the time to mm-hmm. uh, Apollonia, who went on to do more acting roles, and this music scene in Minneapolis that's kind of new wavy and is kind of white, but there's these upstart black people coming out of it, and they're in this club. And, you know, the way Purple Rain opens, I took a look mm-hmm. at it again, because I was like, how does Purple Rain open? You open with Prince and Silhouette, with his guitar on the screen and the title comes up and then you see all these new agey looking white people that's right <laughs> that are, that that's are in right. the First Avenue nightclub, that's the classic right. nightclub where a lot of Purple Rain is done that I've been in and it looks exactly, this is the crazy thing, the First Avenue in 2023 looks exactly like it did in Purple Rain. Really? You will go in there and you'll be like, there goes the, the, the you know, where they stood on the catwalk and there right, goes, right. The, you know, I mean, wow. I'm sure some things are different, but it really does look pretty much the same. Well, it's a historical place I was say at this point. It should be a place. It absolutely it is. Yeah, well, outside there are stars on First Avenue and Prince has a gold star. It was, they had white, uh, this, they had white stars on the facade of the building with the names of various musicians that have mm-hmm. come through over the years and some that are from Minneapolis, like Bob. Oh, well, he's from Minnesota, Bob Dylan and all that. And when Prince transcended, he they painted his star gold. Okay. okay. So people come and they take pictures in front of the, the gold star with his name on it. So mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think Purple Rain is just a special film. I think it, it just has stood the test of time. Mm-hmm. And there are still people who connect to it. And it's just interesting to me because when I see young people in Purple Rain t-shirts, I'm like, do they even know that movie? Yeah. But I feel like they do. I feel like someone somewhere along the way has introduced them to the film because it, it's just that kind of thing. It's endured. I think I, I came to it, obviously, as a film. And I think what fascinates me about Purple Rain is on paper, this should not have been <laughs> at all. I mean, you've got a first time director you've got a first time screenwriter uh clarence williams iii was best known for his television work at this point but he wasn't really a viable no actor this is what kind of put him back on the map. right apollonia is is on an episode of you know tales from the green monkey you know this sort of this this um indiana jones knockoff television show um and then the rest of the cast has never acted. No. So I have to say, I went into it thinking, can I kind of look at and figure out how does this work? Because I think I love the fact that you put it in its historical context when it comes out. Because I I do think hindsight being 2020, we all sort of think, oh, this was a foregone conclusion that this was going to work and it's Prince. And as you said, this is what made Prince the icon. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't the icon when the movie came out. And I was reading, a, you know, a couple of histories today. And and people note that, you know, the single When Doves Cry came out before the movie. But it's a weird song. <laughs> like we love When Doves Cry. But like when you like it's a listen to it. It's a weird song for it to have been a single introducing you to this Mm -hmm. so i went and think well why does it work and i think obviously the 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 most straightforward and easiest and rightest answer is you have to start with the music yes like the film starts with a seven minute performance like there are narrative elements within the performance but it's really a seven minute performance of let's go crazy the film ends with a 15 minute mini concert basically 
And then throughout the film, you have these performances that, again, kind of fluctuate between it's just them on the stage performing, whether we're talking about Prince and the Revolution and the time or Apollonia 6 or, you know, poor Des Dickerson who <laughs> doesn't get to be on the soundtrack. Or, you know, you have the music and then you have the, the narrative elements going on. So you start there. But I think the other thing that makes Purple Rain work so well is how much it's rooted in reality. Like, it's actually rooted in Minneapolis. Like, you talk about mm -hmm. the first the, the, the first scene, that, mm -hmm. that Let's Go Crazy montage. Like, I love the fact that all of these players, whether we're talking about the kid, whether we're talking about Morris and Jerome, whether we're talking about Apollonia, these are real threadbare cats, like, <laughs> truth be told. Like, they have this persona yeah, on stage. Like the, right, the trapping. Right. But, but, you know, like I was saying, you know, I was joking early when I was watching it, like Prince can have all, you know, he's got the dolls and the stuff up and who he's got the eyes on the wall. Like he can make, but like you a dude that live in your mama's basement. <laughs> like you live in your mama's basement. I don't care how you kind of judge it up. You live in your mama's basement. Right. All the pirate shirts in the world. Right. Morse, I love, I love Morse's character in this film. The first thing you see him, he's vacuuming. In his little itty bitty apartment, so you know he has this persona. Uh, the, my, my last little Morse detail that I love: you, you have when, when in that scene where the, the very first scene he gets out the car and he has on like the Morse Day spats, yeah. the shoes, and then a couple of scenes later they show Jerome polishing a different pair of shoes. If you look, these are not new shoes; mm. these are old, kind of broken in shoes. So I think. Is I think you have this wonderful tension between this sort of fantasy that they create as musicians and as personas and this, that, and the other, and this really relatable, like like you talked about being in college, but this really was a young person's movie when it came out. Like yeah. teenagers, young adults, really, and I think there's something really relatable to all of these characters on this kind of base level of we just trying to like we trying to figure it out like we're just trying to kind of make this thing like like it's, it's this great moment where where prince where the kid is eating doritos as he's getting the you know he's getting the music so i love that i also have to say the editing is masterful because you can tell somebody figured out like you probably shouldn't let Apollonia talk that much on, on, on screen. <laughs> on screen, like let out, like but you get you know, and even the kid, like for all of Prince's mystique and his charisma and his charm, like you you can tell somebody figured out early that the dialogue, like like Morse and Jerome are gold. Mm -hmm. So let let's get some Morse Jerome stuff. I joked about Billy. I love Billy. Like, I love Billy and how Billy kind of is this actual character yeah. in the film. So that as, as much as you, 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 you have to begin and end with, this is a testament to Prince's genius. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think this is some 
there's some really smart things going on in this film as a film, like just like just the strategy that they used to say, you know, just in case somebody isn't enamored with this little black person making, (laughs) I guess he's black, like this little, I guess he's a black person making this. I don't know what kind of this music is. Well, let's try and put a movie together too. Mm. Well, it comes to me. Um, uh oh. No, I love Purple Rain. I I I love it. Uh just like you, Tanya, I watched it again and when it comes up and it and it's it it's it's prints in silhouette. Yeah. I'm trying to remember how I felt when I saw it in on screen. Because mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine that just being amazing, right? And the performances, like you're right. The performances that you are there for in this movie are, are all about the music performances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they are some of the best musical performances put to screen that you will see. Because in in any type of concert video that you see, you'll see what's happening on stage, but they always got to pull back to show you the entire crowd or they've got to, you know, spend some time with the drummer mm-hmm. or something like this. <laughs> like, no, this, they know... You came with Prince. Right. So we're going to give you all the Prince you want. We're going to give you every angle of Prince. And I love it. But they smartly, they give you the three-quarter shot of Prince so you can get in close on his face and mm-hmm. his pursed lips. And you can see him you know, with the with the, the, the stockings tied around his eyes and everything. You can count his curls. But then they're going to give you a nice full-length shot of him so you can see him him moving in action and see that there's no stunt double that are doing these multiple crazy insane splits and heels yeah. that this man is doing. And so not only is this man a masterful musician and a very talented singer, this man is an athlete. <laughs> <laughs> he, For sure. He has earned every drip of sweat that you see on his body because he lets you see all the sweat that is on his body. So this movie is all about celebrating that. And I am there for it. I am there. The story, like you said, is very treadbare. It's, 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 it's kind of like based on, they say they took some elements from his actual life. You know, he had trouble, uh, uh, a, a, a troubled relationship with his father. Complicated. Very complicated. Yeah, complicated. That's very complicated. Um, and you see some hints of that here in this movie. Rewatching it again, um, I realize that it's there, but you really don't get a lot of it. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's all in just you know innuendo and scene it in scenes and 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 glances between one another. Um, but it's effectively done. And for being a first time director, I think those scenes are actually shot very well because they do tell the story. With Clarence, Clarence William the Third. As much as this put him back on the map, he spends a lot of this movie in silhouette. Right. Yeah. And yet he still gets over. Yeah. Because he's Clarence William III. He doesn't, really doesn't really have a lot of dialogue. He's got that one good scene. That one good scene. <laughs> <laughs> he kills that. 
and he kills it. But it's also funny. I watched the the footage from the MTV premiere of the movie, mm. and I realized that though you see him as a much older man, and he's all kind of you know broken down, and he seems really old. When you see him at the premiere, he's got like this big fro. Yeah. He's like young and vibrant, and you're like, wait a minute, yeah, because this I is forgot. Right. This, this is not this is Link. Right, this is Link from the Mod Squad. <laughs> yeah, which is not, didn't go off that long ago. The right. man is still, you know, right. a vital. Vigorous man. Right. Um, Not when you see him in Purple Rain, you're like, Bob Brother was active. <laughs> <laughs> he was it on. So he was, he was an old man. He like 35 years old. I know. Prince looking all good. Oh. I was like, oh, okay. So all all of that, all of the Prince stuff in here. Well, most of the Prince stuff in here, right? I say, works. It works, and and it's it is iconic. It mm-hmm. it it. It is what um, put Prince on the map. You know, he had built his career, like you said. Mm-hmm. And 1999 was a huge album for him. It, yes. was a, it was a game changer for his career. But Purple Rain is what, like, really, that's what took, took mm-hmm. him Took him over. And, 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 and rightfully so. Um, and, and I'm there. I, I'm right there for it. The other thing that I was all I met I noticed, and I don't know if we mentioned this in our first review, is that Purple Rain is so iconic that, you know, um this is the movie, this is the moment that Michael Jackson spent the spends the rest of his career looking for. Michael mm-hmm. Jackson is it he spent the rest of his career saying he should do a movie. He wanted to do a movie. That's true. He wanted Captain. He thought maybe Captain EO would be a, akin to his Purple Rain. He never was able to find that moment. Mm-hmm. Never able able to find that moment. And 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 Prince nails it on his first time out. Right. First time out the box. Right. Michael was a superior video artist. I mean, as much as I love Prince, I have to give Michael that. He really, you know, Thriller is its own thing. Mm-hmm. And when you look at Purple Rain, like I love what you had to say about the the kind of tension between what these guys were doing on stage and then how they really were these bands that were a struggle. I mean, I've watched the movie a million times and that was such a great insight because I think that is what made it relatable. All these, all these folks were striving for something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's clear in the film. And in that point that you made about the spats being, I was like, Dang, I watched this movie so many times and missed that, you mm-hmm. know, that that's great. Because I think that that really was what it was. And you saw these characters that, like you said, they weren't actors. No. They were Prince's people, yeah. his musicians and the time and, and Apollonia was brought in because Vanity left. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they went through their kind of boot camp of rehearsals for the film. They had brought some folks in to give them dancing lessons and acting lessons and all of that. And meantime, most of the people were like, OK, Prince says we're doing a movie. We're doing a movie. You That's know, right. it wasn't a lot of thought to it. And yet they just hit this magical moment. And, you know, the rest is pop music history and so it just it, it came together kind of organically mm-hmm. like I don't feel like a movie would happen like this now there would be too many people who would be like okay we need to look at the this and we need to look at oh, that yeah. and the data yeah. and the studies and the blah 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 this was just something organic that Prince was like I'm gonna make a movie and convinced Warner Brothers to to go along with it and fund it and pull it together and actually the script or some elements of the script Vanity has said in interviews that some of it that she provided some input because she was dating Prince around that time. And then mm-hmm. she departed before Purple Rain, which is why Apollonia ended up starring in it, because Prince and Vanity broke up their personal relationship. 
But there were elements of her life because Vanity experienced some horrific abuse from her father in her mm. uh, in her childhood. And so I think some of those things were incorporated. You know, there is a narrative that Prince grew up really poor and struggling and all this type of stuff. And I was like, I'm sorry, Prince's daddy worked for Honeywell. And his <laughs> mama ultimately became a social worker who worked in the Minneapolis school system for like 30 years. So I don't think he was quite. And they had a piano in the house. And I don't know what black folks, you know, but I know when I was growing up, my grandparents had a piano in the house and I just thought we were rich. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we had a piano in our house, but it was a piggyback. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, to to your point about we finished Go. to your point about it not being made today or because of all, you know, so many forces and dynamics, always think about Diana Ross in um, Lady Sings the Blues. And one of the, like I always give Diana Ross credit because if you see her in Lady Sings the Blues, there are scenes that physically are not flattering. Like she looks really kind of broke and you know, she was a small woman. So it just didn't look like it. And, And you know, I think part of celebrity now is difficult to be, have this level of celebrity and even when you're acting, you look non-flattering. Right. I was so struck by how Prince puts together this, because he's really almost building the mythology of Prince. He is. Like, even at the time, he kind of blurred the lines between, this is me playing a character, but this is also semi-autobiographical. Right. If he says this is semi-autobiographical, the kid is a really problematic figure. Yes. Like, in the film. Like, like so much of the film tells you that this is a cycle of abuse that continues from generation to generation. And his father is physically and psychologically abusive towards his mother. And the kid is physically abusive. And psychologically, psychologically abusive towards Apollonia, Apollonia and his band. Yes. Like he, this is not a nice person. And, and, and maybe even more pointedly in his band, the women, the women in his band. And I, I really like the fact that Prince kind of puts himself out there like that. Like, like, you know, I'm a, you know, I don't know Prince's personal life. I don't believe Prince was beating up women, but no, there is this again this blurred line between this is a character that i'm playing but this character is based on me but then this character in the movie is like like i was thinking today you know morris actually makes good points when he's talking to apollonia about (laughs) you should stick with me and and i'll help you with your career and he doesn't help anybody and that scene is right after he tells wendy and lisa i'm never doing your music we're not doing this this that and the other so I just don't know if the way celebrity works, mm. you could have this level of messiness with the character that's supposed to mm. be a reflection of you. Well, I've, you know, you forget until you see the movie again that, that Prince knocks the crap mm. out of Apollonia in the movie. When you watch it years later, you're like, how did we not see that as an issue? And yeah. there, were, there were at the time, though, 
there was some conversation about some of the misogynistic elements of mm-hmm. the film. And that that is not something that's revisionist. That's something that people did discuss at the time. Okay. But I think, you know, Prince loved women. He but he had his Prince was a Gemini. So let's start there. Mm. Okay. Hopefully no one hears a Gemini. People on the chat, if you're a Gemini, hey, <laughs> you know who you are. Kanye's a Gemini. Mm-hmm. Allen Iverson and Prince were born on the same day. Mm-hmm. Tupac was a Gemini. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get people, you know, you're going to get a dichotomy. And I think Prince had that in this film and he had that often in life. Yeah. Um, he was not always the easiest boss. Right. Uh, he was accused and it has been alleged that he took credit for some songs. Now, Prince wrote a lot of damn songs. So some people who are asking for credit, I'm like, okay, but you didn't go on and write. 50 more hits. Right. And he did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, there are elements that I think they used of his persona and his personality and put into Purple Rain. Yeah. But the interesting, the probably to me, the most interesting part of Prince's marketing of Purple Rain and of his persona is the fact that he, he put out to the world that he was biracial when he ate. His mama was light-skinned now. Boy. She was very light. She was typically the light-skinned that we consider some of us to be biracial. She was light with light eyes. She was a twin, mm-hmm. which is interesting as well. And she and her sister, twin sister, they played basketball. So some of those wow. things that you see that Prince loved in his life came right from his mom. But um, she was a black woman, as far as we know. So he was not biracial. And for years, people believed it. And now in the Prince world, which there is a Prince world still, uh, where people study Prince and people are uh, scholars and, and really academically study him and his music and his impact on the culture and all those things. One of the things that has happened in that arena is that people have really sought to reclaim Prince as a black artist mm-hmm. because of this uh, confusion around his ethnicity that he himself promoted yeah. uh there are a lot of prince fans who maybe thought he was biracial or not really black or magical black negro type that you know didn't see color and all of that whereas in his later years prince was very active in black causes he supported black lives matter um financially he he gave them some money um so really supported them and um there are fans who just cannot grasp that he was a whole black man Right. right. But some of that he uh, he promoted because that was marketing. And if right. you look at Purple Rain, that ambiguity is part of what made that film so uh, pal- 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 palatable mm-hmm. to more than just a black audience. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think Prince was a master musician. He was also a master marketer. Sure. There yeah. are people who look at the Dick Clark interview. I mean, was <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah, the Dick Clark interview is, is is infamous because Prince, when he came on American Bandstand, and at the time Dick Clark was like, you know, Dick Clark was Ryan Seacrest, what he yes, is he now, mm-hmm. yes, he or I should say, Ryan Seacrest took after Dick Clark right. in terms of the power that he wielded in the industry. Mm-hmm. He came on American Bandstand for the first time and was just a mess. He didn't answer Dick Clark's questions. Dick Clark asked him how many how many instruments he played. Prince puts up four fingers and, you know, just was acting crazy. And there was this whole debate 
on um, whether Prince, you know, first of all, people were like, everyone always says he was gay and his behavior. And then people were like, he was, it, it was like every single thing that you say in America these days about people having various, not issues, because we don't want to say gay is an issue, but that various um, things, you know, some people were like, he's gay. Some people were like, he's just introverted. And that's how introverts act. And right. other people were like, he was just being an a-hole. But actually, what Morris said in his book is that Prince knew exactly what he was doing even then. And that he did that interview knowing that it was going to cause that kind of what we would look at now. It was going to go viral. Right. And that's exactly what it did. So Prince was intentional and he's very intentional in the kinds of things in what he portrays in Purple Rain as being his reality. This multicultural band, Mm -hmm. this multicultural world. And, you know, I had to think about it and say to myself, well, you know, there's not really a black woman in Purple Rain. Nope. And nope. that was kind of interesting, nope. except mm-hmm. Jill Jones. I have to give Jill respect. Jill considers herself African-American. Right. So Jill is the black woman in Purple Rain. And Kim Upshur is briefly in there, who was a good friend of Prince's, mm-hmm. um, who passed away not too long uh, before he did. So we have to recognize that there were black women in the film. But, I mean, Jill doesn't have that many lines. And it right. centers around Apollonia, but consider that Vanity was originally set to play Apollonia's role. Yeah. And I don't know, ex- I, I can't remember now, I'm sure one of the many Prince podcasts has the details on how Apollo- and, and Apollonia's own podcast has the details on how she came to be cast in Purple Rain. But there was going to be a black woman in the movie and Vanity was going to be in there. But she right. and Prince had their, you know, their falling out and that was that. Well, y- y- yes, but after Vanity... I thought he wanted Jennifer Beals first. Mm, so it did possible. seem like his path was he wanted someone racially ambiguous, right. as we would say. And to your point, I, 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 I've i always, well, not always, but m- my recent viewings, the racial dynamic in this film is bananas. <laughs> and and I, I, you know, I respectfully push back to your multicultural band that he has because you can play Where's Waldo with Brown Mark in this thing, in, in the revolution. Mm. Like the revolution, you got Wendy and Lisa mm-hmm. who get all, you know, most of the speaking line, you know, yeah, ba- they basically yeah. have a subplot. Doctor and a drummer, right. you, you know, they have, but, but there are scenes when Brown Mark, like, I don't think Brown Mark was in the room at the end with, in the, you know, how's the family. I don't think Brown Mark is in the room. Maybe they didn't trust his acting. <laughs> Prince is all Prince is like the only real group of 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 phenotypically black people <laughs> that you have are the time. Right. That is it. And and you know, as you said, I this is all very intentional. But you have to remember, and I'm always so completely fascinated by this, just because I'm now so much more aware of Prince's how prolific Prince really, really was. Mm-hmm. You have to understand that Prince wrote and conceived and imagined the time as a band before there was ever a time. I know. Mm-hmm. He wrote that entire album I before any, no one else was involved. I think Morris played some drum somewhere. Yeah. But there was not Terry and Jimmy and all those folks. There was no time as it existed except in Prince's imaginations. And one of the things that Wendy said at one of the celebrations every year, fans get together and go to Paisley Park and there's a celebration 
uh, of Prince uh, since 2017. And then it was two, uh, we missed two years because of the pandemic. So mm-hmm. this is an annual thing that happens at Paisley Park and folks come in and they play. And last year there was a concert that the world needs to see. It was the most, one of the most phenomenal Prince concerts I've ever seen. And people were in just amazement. Like if you, I mean, I can't even begin to describe what was happening. It mm. was, uh, it, it was Diamonds and Pearls era. And it was uh, probably a dress rehearsal for the Diamonds and Pearls tour where, mm-hmm. that he played in a small club in Minneapolis. And I mean, I, I the man did everything. He was dancing on the bar. I mean, it was crazy. But anyway, the point that I'm making is that he conceived and wrote a whole band. And Wendy said that Prince was the type of guy that once he he manifested things like once he said it out of his mouth. It was in manifestation. Yeah. So you know how we'll sit here and we'd be like, we want something, Lord, this manifest it. Can it? Can... She would listen out of his mouth and into reality. That's how powerful his energy was. And so, when you think about that in terms of Purple Rain, you think about the fact that he wanted that funky black, you know, juxtaposition to him, right? And that people say that in fact Morris in that movie is much more like how Prince actually was in real life because I think a lot of people thought for years Prince was so serious and shot. I really just after watching so many interviews, after reading so much and, and learning so much about him since he's been gone, because now there's much more freedom for the footage to be out and for, you know, I've listened to hours of rehearsals and mm-hmm. all these things. Prince was the person, he, he he was going to be who you needed him to be. Right. Or, he, or who he wanted you to see. Mm-hmm. And that plays itself out in this film because he said, I'm going to show you rock star and I'm not going to let my height I'm not going to let my city and I'm not going to let my blackness keep me from being as big a rock star as anybody else. And you see that reflected when he did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame performance and he did uh, My Guitar Gently Weeps. Yes. And people were like, oh, my God, Prince is a rock guy. What? You, well, where you been? We, right. Yeah, exactly. we, we already knew. Exactly. Exactly. So because he got on the stage with the white guys that are guitar gods or, or associated in that case with guitar gods. Danny Harrison, uh, George Harrison's son, and, and and he, on that stage, that was a really important performance because on that stage he said, "I'm I'm right here with y'all. You're not gonna discount me. You're not gonna look at me because that's what happens when you're a black artist, exactly. Mm-hmm. Unless you're Jimi Hendrix, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, well, you can't deny Jimi Hendrix, right? No. But all everybody else, it's like, oh, you know, he. He's good, but this one, that one, blah, 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 blah. Prince came and showed you. He's like, I can show you better than I can tell you. Yep. And then Purple Rain. Which, what's blacker than that? <laughs> and then Purple Rain, that's what he did. He said, I'm giving you full rock star. Well, <laughs> it, it, the, the time has, has gotten away from us. I know. I, I can't even I get know. into my Morris Day rant or anything like I that. I know. Um, but let's end it with, <laughs> I think I know the answer. Tanya, would you recommend that people watch Purple? Absolutely. If you've never watched it before, you will have a good time if you love music. If you're watching it again, you're going to watch this and you're going to see the insights that we've discussed and you may watch it with a new eye and in a different way. And if you are just into music history and pop culture history to get a sense of the 80s, Purple Rain combines so many different things from the 80s, from, Mm -hmm. as we said, the assimilationist mindset to the beginning of a certain musical sound, Prince existed in the space between 
the 70s live band era as we moved into the hip-hop era. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that Lindrum that you hear that he's using in 1999 and continues in Purple Rain, that would go on to become a linchpin of hip-hop. The drum machine, usage of the drum machine, particularly the Lin, the 808, and even the Oberheims and all of that. Let me sound like I know what I'm talking about, but that's because I just had to research it. <laughs> that's because you do. That's because you do. Yeah, I don't know. I don't mm, know, but I mm, know that, mm. you know, I did a little research. And so the, the evolution of the drum machine is its own interesting story. But mm-hmm. yes, I would definitely recommend it because just for sheer entertainment value, it's it's fun to watch. There's nothing yeah. like watching Prince's sweaty, you know, lace over his eyes. I mean, every time I see those images, I'm just reminded of being able to have the joy of experiencing it all in real time. And, and he was just so amazing because he was different. Yeah. He was just different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every time I I watch it, I think back to the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. I went with my girlfriend at the time. I was in high school. Uh, her name was Josephine. Um, we went. We saw it. She was a huge Prince fan. We loved it. We went back to my house. We sat on my back porch saying baby i'm a star to each other for the rest of the night and just spent back there just singing and kissing look she's about to say and we made passionate love <laughs> we <laughs> this is prince we had a good time now okay. remember you're playing this in people's stores that's why i said we <laughs> having a good time <laughs> she's the one saying i thought you were gonna say y'all right. yeah. you said they were singing baby i'm a star right, to each other right, and right. kiss it i was right. like we know what happened after you sang right. baby i'm a star a couple times and started kissing okay right. Right. she had like a little puppet <laughs> that, that little puppet i would also of course recommend recommend um purple rain just reasons everyone has said i i think I think outside of me kind of trying to dissect it, I was struck by how much you get it. Like, like I think so many times when we hear about these these people who became big at the time, and then you go back and you watch footage of them and you think, oh, I guess he kind of had to be there. Like, I guess he had to be there for, you know. But I think this is a film that, really captures this lightning in a bottle where you see why Prince became Prince. And then to, to your point, which you said, when you realize that this whole vision is his, it's, it's even more impressive. And, and, you know, it's, 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 this, 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 this foundational to pop culture and certainly black pop culture. Like this is foundation. And even more so like, like this whole vision of, of purple rain and, and, and the uh, time and everything is Prince Prince. Like you mentioned, Tanya, he created that, that Minnesota, uh, Minneapolis sound. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that Minneapolis sound gave us not only Prince, it gave us the time. It gave us Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Now think of how many people came out of Jimmy Jam and Terry it Lewis. Gave you Janet Jackson. Yeah, you don't right. get Janet Jackson without Prince, baby. That's right. It don't happen. Now, before we go all this, he like we gonna get in trouble for Andre Simone saying that Prince created all this. No. 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 You good? No, because Andre, Andre Andre was part of the band. Okay. But Andre wasn't 
in his creative space in that way. Okay. Yeah. Um, Andre will tell you that he wrote Do Me Baby. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't there. I can't right, say yay right. or nay. But in terms of Purple Rain, I don't even think Andre was around at that point. Okay. I just wanted to get the Andre's yeah, no. little disclaimer. And I there. love Andre. Because so. I know I, I know how this works. <laughs> Three years from now, we're going to get crazy led about i can't believe y'all said prince and you didn't mention andre simone so now we've mentioned all we have addressed andre simone yeah no he was definitely he definitely was part he was he was there mm-hmm. the day of the dick clark interview for okay. american bandstand mm-hmm. but he wasn't in prince's band by the time purple rain came out now was prince in his band initially no andre prince moved in with andre's family as okay. a teenager right. and they formed the band in in right was, was it so east 40 90 94 94 is that the band get that wrong 94 east, right we'll get on my case look, i believe it was 94 look, east because that's a, it's look, an actual interstate in, right 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 in, like in i Minnesota. said i'm not a prince like i love prince right but you know i'm not a prince <laughs> listen but i've been around enough prince <laughs> Then I know how this works. I, I look, I've been trying to make sure I have my so, facts straight. I know saying, some people that got it right. on code. Like I said, okay, so now we've referenced Andre Simone. We referenced yeah. that band yeah. that we don't know the name. It's 94 like, East. Not, we, we referenced 94 East. Yeah. So we're solid. All right, now yeah. we, like I said, I'm, see, I'm looking at us two years from now. No, I'm trying to make sure we. And, and let me tell you something. Prince <laughs> In Prince World, they know details facts de- you got to be up on your I stuff i know i'm a prince fan I, i'm a journalist and yet they're prince scholars mm-hmm. and that's a different thing mm-hmm. they are studying him from every kind of pop culture from uh racial from mm-hmm. ethnicity from minneapolis from the the impact that he has had on fashion and, mm-hmm. and they know facts details they know what prince was doing listen there there's an actual podcast that d'angela duff who is the woman who does the Prince symposiums every year. Mm-hmm. That is, what did Prince do on this day? And it's like in 1985 or whatever. I think that is uh, the Michael Dean Prince podcast, which is definitely worth your time as well. It's a great podcast. And there are Prince, people are not, you know, we were talking about Swarm a little bit off camera. And Swarm uses uh, an obsessed fan of a Beyonce-like artist mm-hmm. to drive the narrative. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, I know a little something about obsessed fans. That's what I wrote in my review of it. And I said, you know, this is not really about an obsessed fan. It's using that to tell a story. Sure. But when it comes to the world of Prince, it still exists. There are people who study him Mm -hmm. and his music and his impact because he was genuinely not just a pop culture moment, not just Purple Rain. Purple Rain was probably just one small part of his career. He was a tremendously prolific artist. Some of the things that he did, even the development and usage of the Lindrums and the synthesizers and the way there are still people trying to figure out how he created certain sounds. He could be his own recording artist, engineer, composer, producer, arranger. He did it all. And so knowing that and and then other things that he did, his activism, his um, working on the Internet, selling music over the mm-hmm. internet early yeah, on. Very, yeah, I was Prince about to say he was ahead of the curve. Prince had his own radio show. He had his own magazine. He was moving through all these projects because Prince was also mercurial. So he would do a project, do a magazine, do a couple of issues, move on. I'm going to do a radio show. You can find uh, the radio show on YouTube. There are 10 episodes. It's great. Wow. You, you're you just like, uh, 
But that's a precursor of what you see now with these, you know, branded radio shows and those mm-hmm. kind of things that you see in, in various places. It even It's almost like a music podcast when mm-hmm. you think about it. So he was just extremely ahead of his time and he was extraordinary. It really was. Okay, I know we got to go. I know, but I got, I got, I, I mean, I got, I got to ask. <laughs> Favorite album? Oh, that's so hard now. On, you, you know, you, know you got to be ready. Come I on. mean, Sign of the Times probably. I'm because... a Sign of the Times person. <laughs> God. Oh, my God. But Sign of the Times because it's a collective of so many things he did well. Right. And it's a brilliant album. But then now you look at Sign of the Times, you go, but this was going to be this whole other album that he was going to do. Oh, and Emancipation. I just really it because it's so it's a happy album. OK. It's a happy album. I've always loved Emancipation. And it has its detractors. It has a lot of haters, actually. Mm-hmm. But I now, and I don't mean to sound like one of those super prince snob people that are just like, if you don't know every... But I now listen to just so many unreleased, mm-hmm. bootleg, live mm-hmm. rehearsals, because now that he's passed on, he can't stop <laughs> the deluge of right. things that are right. out there online. Right, right, right. And, you know, God bless you, Prince. I, I, we, we miss you so much. Right. That's the reason why people are so into it. But we have so much more to discover Mm-hmm. Because he was so tight about what he released in his life and and in his right, because his, his work, music, yeah. his work. But now there's a treasure trove of things to listen to, and that's where you really understand. I mean, this guy could do rehearsals, could do sound checks. There's sound checks that I listen to. There are rehearsals, and I'm like, this is better than this. Sh- it's like three hours of rehearsal, mm-hmm. okay. and he's okay. like playing like crazy, okay. and then he's like. And then he's like in the middle of the rehearsal, he's like singing some emotion or he's and he's like, hey, change that. Uh, that's an E flat, not a D sharp. Or he's like, change that lead line or you, and you're just like, how are you band leading, playing, singing, probably writing three other songs in your head all at the same time? Like how? All right. OK, <laughs> you're officially booked for another show of the Michelle Mission. OK, thank you. <laughs> just letting you know <laughs> it's done. When he said Lady Sings of Blues, you know what I thought? Did you guys do mahogany? We did. Ah, that's mahogany. Then we do it on YouTube. We did do it on YouTube. Would you like to do a mahogany? I would redux? love to, because mahogany is such a special movie to me. And I think it's a great story. You know, you know, yeah. I love the Motown. Know- okay, okay, okay. I love <laughs> okay. the Motown movies. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. All right, okay, all right, all right, we'll do all right, you. all right, all right. We gotta, we gotta go. Okay, we gotta go. All, all right. right, I get. All right. <laughs> Tanya will return, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you okay. so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is this so much fun. Yeah. Tell, tell the missionaries where they can find you if they want to connect. You can with find you. me at, at Tanya Pendleton on Twitter. You can find me on WHYY uh, every Thursday. My column that uh, shares the weekend events is on WHYY.org. And you can hear me on WHYY. Uh, in on Thursday mornings when uh, my things to do segment is on there. And um, yeah, at Tanya Pendleton, if you want to hit me up on Twitter, that's T-O-N-Y-A Pendleton, like mm-hmm. the blankets and the vodka. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where I engage with people, especially NFL fans and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and people who want to talk shit about music because they done tried to come for me. Ch- ah! <laughs> 
<laughs> what are you writing? Oh, what are you writing? <laughs> I know. I thought what she's writing. I'm working with UPI.com and I'm working with CashesLife.com. So um, as well as WHYY. So I'm writing a bunch of stuff. I just uh, I talked to J.R. Smith this morning about mm-hmm. a docuseries he has coming to Prime Video okay. called Redefined. Mm. which is a beautiful it's it's i i'm gonna admit i didn't know a lot about jr smith aside from you know the shirtless and the yeah. debacle at the nba finals and all that it's worth your watch it's really? four episodes it is a beautiful tribute to hbcus for one because you know he decided to go back to school yeah mm-hmm. and until watching this i mean you know and he's playing golf and until I was still watching it. I was like, you know, basketball players getting a little docu-series because he doing something, you know, trying to stay relevant. Right. It's really not that. It's okay. really worth a watch. Cool. Okay. All right. Thank okay. you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I feel like a, like a little, you know, a little part of the team or something, you know? <laughs> Don't play. <laughs> Don't play. Can I, can I go, go ahead? Go ahead. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, before we tell you what we're going to be reviewing next week, I invite you to check out the MichelleMission.com. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made where you can hit swag and check out all of the cool designs and gifts that we have available for you by way of our good friends at T public. If you want to reach the Michelle mission, you can email us at michellemission at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail.com. Or why not just leave us a voicemail? You can leave us a voicemail, ladies and gentlemen. 215-867-9666. That's it. Just real quick. 215-867-9666. Leave us a voicemail. Tell Vince and Len what is on your mind. Hey, we might even share the message with Tanya. Call us from a phone booth near you. <laughs> you can follow us and like us on all the social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Me Show Mission. Subscribe to the Me Show Mission on YouTube at, uh, at Me Show Mission on YouTube, where you can follow all of our live streams that are available for you to rewatch and watch to your heart's content. And you can also check out the Podglomerate thepodglomerate.com, the podcast network that we are proud members of. They make podcasts work. All right. Next week. Yes. For Women's History Month, we tie everything in a bow, ladies and gentlemen. We started off the month with The Woman King starring Viola Davis. We followed that up with Harriet starring Cynthia Arrivo. Then we welcomed in a fabulous woman with Tanya Pendleton so that we could talk about Abalonia and Prince in um, in Purple Rain. And now we close things out from 2018 with Widows starring Viola Davis and Cynthia Rivo and featuring another great guest Janine Covney of Words on Flicks. That is next week here on the B Show Mission as we close out Women History Month, streaming to you live from the video content factory in Mania. Until next week, he's Vincent, I'm Len, and in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>